0: And on front page with me this morning we've got Annabelle Lee from Malaysia Kini. Morning, Annabelle. Morning. And from uh, formerly of Reuters and uh, Business Times we've got Rajan Moses. Morning, Hi, legend. good morning. <laughs> good morning. So as we know, um, uh, the UK has a new Prime Minister in Boris Johnson. He took over on Wednesday, promising to pull his country out of the European Union on October 31st by any means necessary. Um, the former London mayor um, and figurehead of the 2016 Brexit campaign formally replaced Theresa May um, a day after winning the leadership of his Conservative Party. So, I guess the big question is, um, we've read so much about him, what is the impact to Malaysia of Britain getting this new Prime Minister? Annabelle?
1: I think many people are expecting him to be like a Trump. I think even Trump called him a Britain Trump. So, (laughs) I don't know what that means, (laughs) but um, as far as I've seen, um, I mean, I think Trump is perhaps well, most well known out of uh, the U.S. for being like very protectionist in terms of trade, and I don't know if we see, if we will see that from Boris. But domestically, I don't foresee that much impact. I mean, the U.K. president, um, but I feel like perhaps we're look we're looking at you know a U.K. tanker right now being kind of like in Iran, captured in Iran by Iranian forces, and it'll be interesting to see how Boris handles that. I mean, that's the first thing he has to sort out right yes. now, and you know, there's a huge, I'm um, not now the UK is waded into the kind of uh, US-Iranian crisis. And I think seeing how he navigates that will be will show a lot, you know, what kind of prime minister he will mm. be and um, how he deals with international conflict. Yeah. All right. Your thoughts, Rajan? Okay,
2: our thoughts are like these. I think uh, Boris is a very mercurial character, as we all know. But he faces uh, quite a few daunting tasks ahead, I believe. Uh, he's more um, distant for us in Malaysia because... I just checked with the uh, British High Commission notes here. They said that there'll be very little change when it comes to uh, uh, Boris's uh, involvement with Malaysia. But I think um, as a very uh, controversial character now with Brexit and all that, I think one of the biggest tasks that he's going to face is the election whether he can pull through the next two to three months. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that is going to be the burning issue for him.
0: Right. I mean, um, he claims he will lead Britain out of the EU by October 31st. How will this be possible with his two-vote majority?
2: Yeah, I mean, the the total number of seats uh, for conservatives and the coalition are about 320. The Labour coalition is about 320. Eighteen or so—that's the two-vote majority that uh, we're talking about right now. So if he—he's going to pull through the Brexit effort he must make sure that he must uh, have the mandate. Do you but, think
1: it will happen, Brexit, uh, well, Annabelle? According to Boris, uh, Bojo, as they call him, he will do it by hook or by crook. I think he has promised He has promised to do it. I mean, I think his entire credibility lays uh, on whether he's able to deliver what you know Theresa May didn't didn't, didn't do, wasn't able to do. And I think, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of talk about a no-deal Brexit and I think some of his own government have already resigned because they don't want something so irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... For Boris, I think his whole campaign and his whole idea of of who he is as a person, he will have to put this through if he wants to survive politically. All right. Okay, when we come back, we'll take a look at
0: the um, crowdsourcing uh, focus of Amno ahead of GE15. What is that all about? Well, we'll find out next here on Light on front page with me this morning Annabelle Lee, journalist from Malaysia Kini and Rajan Moses, veteran journalist and former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Times editor taking a look at this headline. Um, Ahead of GE15 UMNO will crowdsource funds because of financial difficulties and uh, the UMNO Supreme Council meeting uh, agreed that the party will be crowdsourcing funds to prepare for the 15th general election. Its president Datuk Sri Ahmad Zahid Hamidi said the first time the Malay Nationalist Party had formed a crowdfunding following you know, the financial challenges faced by UMNO. I suppose their funds are still frozen.
1: Isn't that right? Uh, as far as I know, they're not frozen. They were frozen for a little while. Okay. But right now, what we do know is the MECC wants, what, $212 million from them mm-hmm. uh, in the Civil for Features suit because apparently the money came from 1MDB and it came from Najit's personal accounts. So, uh, And of course, that is not counting like the the slew of leaders that are under corruption charges and trials right now. So there's a lot ahead of them and uh, a lot of uncertainty, I think, who will be around in the next few years. We don't even know. Uh, so I think this is one way for them to at least shore up some resources, some finances. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they're they're doing this quite early. I mean, it's f- one year after the elections, four years till the next one. Yeah. So they're really ramping up the support and the you know the, the appeal. They're really appealing to their grassroots and trying to you know get them to continue supporting them yes. four years before the next election. Well, so I it's think good that's
0: preparation. Quite... I mean, Rajan, what do they need this money for? Do you know? I mean, well, I mean what look are these at activities?
2: It this week first. Uh, This is the great Amno suddenly going on its knees here now and saying, hey guys, you know, we want to crowdfund, we need funds for the coming election. It's an unthinkable scenario a year, a year and a half ago. So that's, I think, the background to all this. The second background, of course, is the fact that, you know, uh, they don't have funds now because of the 1MDB issue and uh, other tainting that's involved with them. So now I think uh, this is a novel way of trying to approach their issues publicly and uh, by asking crowdfunding here. So um, I think it's it's, an interesting development but it's a really big setback for them I think than what it used to be.
0: Do you feel there's enough support for UMNO to do this crowdfunding exercise?
2: Well, I mean, don't forget that, you know, many of the characters involved in Amno have always been interlinked with business, Mm -hmm. Amno and business. So I think that 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 rink, you know, will still continue to be there. But maybe not in the kind of numbers that we thought know would be in the past. A lot of money. Mm,
1: mm-hmm. uh, I actually don't think this is kind of a setback. I think in today's day and age, especially along, among young people, crowdfunding is actually pretty trendy. It is not seen as something that is ashamed. Uh, you, know, th- you need to be embarrassed about or ashamed about. I think this is actually a way of them kind of reconnecting. To the grassroots. I mean, I saw it as like a grassroots appeal, maybe at the businesses as well. But you know, more for the yeah, you know diehard long-term supporters in the kampong or even in the cities to come and you know step up to the plate and support the party that they've always loved. Um, I see it as a way of kind of like tugging at the heartstrings and also at the purse strings right. of the, all these people kinda and like really trying to build up that that support again. I I think at least a part of it is is this, yeah. and of course finances is important. Yeah,
0: kind of like their own version of tabung <laughs> harapan. <laughs> Well, when we come back, we'll be taking a look at this headline. A judge has been remanded for allegedly soliciting bribes. What does this mean? Well, we'll find out next here on Light. On Front Page with me this morning, Rajan Moses, former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Times editor, and Annabelle Lee, journalist from Malaysia Kini, a Sessions Court judge in Kuala Kubu has been remanded after he was detained for alleged corruption. A Malaysian Anti-Corruption Commission Chief Commissioner Latifa Koya said the man has been held in connection with the recent arrest of a lawyer, a deputy public prosecutor, and six police personnel. He was also detained for allegedly soliciting bribes in ex- Exchange for the release of illegal immigrants in Kuala Kubu Baru. So, what does this mean for cases that he has presided over in the past if he is convicted of bribery? Annabelle, I mean he
1: or she, right? He okay. or she. But if I'm not mistaken, uh, while a judge can't preside over their cases, I think a judge in a higher court, uh, like the High Court or the Court of Appeal, can actually take over some of the cases. But of course, if the, if if the judge in this case is convicted in the end, the judicial system that the, you know we'll have to put someone in to replace them um, pr- procedurally that, that that's how it is done I right Roger
2: I've heard from uh, my lawyer friends that if a case is starting in a very early stages and is nearly through, through a decision, uh, then the court authorities may call somebody else to appoint them Uh. to uh, manage the remaining part of the case.
0: Okay, well, it's definitely an interesting story and headline. Yeah, this
1: case is super interesting because based on what's been reported, uh, everything is still an allegation at this point. No one has been charged. But, you know, there was a Sessions Court judge. There was a deputy public prosecutor. There was a lawyer. Yeah, and there were six police officers, including a court police. You know, and the other five were investigating officers. I mean, all these people were arrested in connection with this, what looks like a network of kind of soliciting bribes from undocumented migrants. So I think this just shows the network. That was done by these people in power, Mm -hmm. uh, if it is true, you know, to to kind of really oppress or really kind of squeeze people who are already oppressed in our society. I
2: think it also shows that MACC, you know, is really alive and kicking. Oh, yes. And uh, this is a good, good uh,
0: move.
1: Yeah, that they've caught everybody, yeah? Mm -hmm. All from from police all the way to to, uh, judge. Well, we
0: definitely are watching this headline and the story as it develops. Now, coming up, fiscal deficit down 39% in the January to May period. We're going to discuss that one next here on Light. On front page with me this morning, veteran journalist Rajan Moses and from Malaysia, Kini, Annabelle Lee. Now, the government has successfully cut its fiscal deficit by 39% to 21.4 billion ringgit in the first five months of 2019, down from 35 billion ringgit recorded in the same period of last year, says uh, Finance Minister Lim Guan Eng. He said the government has also lowered its current account deficit to 1.1 billion ringgit in the January. May 2019 period, which is a reduction of 94 percent, you know, deficit in the same period of last year. Interesting. What does this mean for us average Malaysians, Rajan? Well, I think
2: what the government ap- uh, appears to have done is it's reduced, uh, you know, the numbers down, the debt uh, and other Connected uh, indicators uh, to show that, you know, they've got discipline and discipline. Fiscal deficit is reduced. So what it really means to the man on the street is that, hey, you know, we are going to spend less money than we've done in the past. Because we also to show that uh, we are having a deficit, you know, that is slowly uh, improving. Mm-hmm. Improving for for all of us. So for the man on the street, it means maybe you uh, you got to cut your cloth, you know, in a, a better uh, fashion than it is now. What we were spending thirty billion before, now we're doing uh, twenty one billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that tells you just simply simple numbers for the man on the street. It means you got to you know tie your belt uh
0: a little tighter, tighter yeah. mm. uh,
2: And really, you know uh, Watch the spending And uh, discipline Very important And right. I think the yeah. government Is trying to instill And that. I
1: think I don't know I feel like I sleep better at night If I at least have some sense That the government Is a bit more responsible With money mm-hmm. I think in, I mean what, what Guan Ying was really Trying to say here Is that we are being Fiscally responsible We have discipline We're not just going to Spend all this money On public transport projects That are inflated in cost You know he, I right. think that's what He's trying to say That we're not going to Do that to you Um, of course how that translates to actual things that we can feel and you know tangible uh, I know policies or programs or I mean handouts or something that we can see and feel we don't know yet because uh, right now they're just trying to tighten their belts and then once they uh, there's a bit more money in the hand and a bit more money in the bank then perhaps and hopefully we we can see more kind of programs that go to social causes uh, you know programs that are funded money that is uh, channeled to education and health and all that kind of thing so of course there's one part of it you know you control your spending But then when you Successfully do that And it looks like It's quite promising What do you do With the, the money Alright Well
0: coming up Site Sadiq says Interns uh, getting Industrial training To get an allowance And we'll find out The importance of Paying interns next Here on Light On front page With me this morning Veteran journalist Rajan Moses And journalist From Malaysia Kini Annabelle Lee Now the cabinet agreed to reintroduce Allowance payments For those who Undergo industrial training or internships with the government said Youth and Sports Minister Sadiq Saeed Abdurrahman he said the obligation to pay this allowance will refer to a circular that will be implemented in all ministries and government agencies and uh, I don't know what this will affect uh, the private sector but I think this is a move in the right direction it is important to pay interns right
1: I mean you you were an intern not that long ago (laughs) absolutely yes I wasn't an intern that long ago and I remember how things were so uncertain I mean certain places they pay you a lot they remunerate you very handsomely and some places they don't so I think this is something that I'm really looking forward to in terms of the private sector I think Sadiq mentioned that this is something they want to eventually roll out and, and, and see how this is going to go but I think it's so important I mean we talk about we want to have a better workforce a younger, a, a young workforce that is digitally savvy that know that is knowledgeable that has skills um, and then we want to encourage them to go out and, and intern with, with all these different jobs and companies before they actually graduate so when they graduate and they come out to work work they are much more skilled but we need to support them in being able to do that I mean especially those who come from lower income backgrounds if you expect them to work for free or some places you have to pay them to teach you how to to work as an intern Mm -hmm. I think that is just ridiculous I mean like you know rent and experience is great but that doesn't pay for rent and transport and food and if a student has to take another job just to support their internship that is just ridiculous you're not supporting the next generation of Malaysian workers.
0: Now you're a veteran journalist. Mm -hmm. Um, Rajan So what is your experience With interns
2: Well I've seen Many interns uh, Through my 20 25 year career And I think It's sad In some cases Because You know They're paid Next to nothing Sometimes Sometimes They're not even paid some of them, are, you know, just uh, thrust upon uh, officers to, you know, just uh, mm-hmm. do whatever a peon might do. You know, for example, Get uh, there is no structure yeah. of handling, managing. Interns, And I think it's about time somebody really had an authority, a central authority over interns, you know, and their well-being and uh, they, what really they're there for. Mm. Some interns, you know, are just because their uncle gave them an internship or something, you mm. know, and they sit down in a corner and, and do the secretarial work or mm. whatever. But really, the quality has to improve for our interns, but it comes from the bosses the management and those who want uh, interns to grow. And this is a moral issue, I think, you know, yeah. for employers and, and for those who employ interns. And
1: you actually, interns. if you actually treasure your interns and really, you know, not only want to teach them, but also want to kind of learn from their perspective, I think that is so productive for everyone and... Often internships is how a young person gets to know what it's like to be in the working world. Yes, And if that experience is negative mm-hmm. in, your ex- in in that industry, that person is not going to want to work in that industry.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys for joining me this morning uh, with the headlines on the front page. Thank you. Thank you, Shaz, thank Annabelle you. Lee, yeah. and Rajan Moses.